Now, one thing that we find when serious decisions are being made, there's often an emotional content. People might be afraid of making the wrong decision, or they might be so pumped up that they can't even imagine making the wrong decision and just go for it without assessing the quality of their uh, perceived decision. So there's a lot of potential for uh, clouding the uh, analytical mind and clouding it by getting into the emotions and allowing the emotions to, uh, to then take the driver's seat and through doing that, not perform the process in the most effective way. Mindful Work is the official podcast brought to you by the Mindful Life Mindful Work team. Amidst these rapidly changing times, our conversations will explore the intersection of self-awareness and team performance and help you to optimize your efforts through mindful work. On this episode of the Mindful Work podcast, Calvin Niles explores with guests how mindful work connects to decision-making, followed by insights from the Mindful Life Mindful Work team. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode four of the Mindful Work podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Niles, and I'm looking forward to this episode where we explore decision-making. I am going to be sharing some insights from George Pitagorsky and from Sarah Hunt, and there's something really important about decision-making uh, in today's world, especially and it seems that this is a skill that is becoming more and more valuable in the workplace. I came across a working paper uh, from the National Bureau of Economic Research. It only came out in April 2021. And it was actually called The Growing Importance of Decision-Making on the Job by David J. Deming. Uh, the links will be in the research. Uh, the research links will be in the notes uh, of this podcast for you. But Deming says that in his introduction of uh, the document, Deming says in his introduction that a growing body of work in economics studies the impact of automation on jobs with an emphasis on the technological replacement of routine job tasks. Machines increasingly substitute for human physical, mechanical, and information processing tasks that are predictable enough to be scripted ahead of time. So, this is the important part. The remaining job tasks are increasingly open-ended and require workers to make decisions and adapt to unforeseen circumstances which explains why employers consistently rate problem-solving and critical thinking as the most essential needs among new hires. The rising importance of decision-making can be seen in the rapid growth of management jobs in the U.S. over the last half-century. So I'm keen to learn from my guests in this episode, uh, having been stimulated by this working paper from David J. Deming, how mindful work can support better decision-making in the workplace. Um, but first, as we usually do in this show, let us start with a mindful pause. Pausing is so very important. So take a moment wherever you are, whether you're standing or walking or seated. Just take a moment and notice your body moving in space, even if you're still, notice the breath moving the body in space. 
and just check in, just pause and notice whatever it is you do to do that. Maybe you bring a little additional attention to the body. Maybe you close your eyes. Maybe you don't do anything in particular, but just notice whatever it is you do to check in a little more fully than you were in the previous moment. If the breath is shallow, let the breath be shallow. If it's deep, let it be deep. If it's smooth, notice that it's smooth. If it's jagged in some way, noticing that. Again, pausing, giving yourself the space to notice spaciousness. It just takes a minute. It just takes a second. But it's so very important to give yourself the space to notice to really check in and notice the reality of the present moment and how it's showing up for you. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the mindful pause. And I'm also reflecting on those great questions from Sarah Hunt about how do we make good decisions? How do you make good decisions? How do you listen really clearly and carefully to your colleagues? How do you offer them respect, compassion, empathy, or, or don't you, right? I think we, when we think about mindful work, it's not just one thing. It's an evolutionary practice of becoming aware of how you move through your space and your day uh, as, a, as a part of your work. How do we make good decisions? And that is mindfully informed decisions. George Pitagorsky from the Mindful Life Mindful Work team and I had a great conversation about this, starting with the very basic question, what is decision making? It's basically the process associated with how we determine uh, a resolution to a problem or a uh, resolution to a uh, conflict or anything that is going to set up a movement into action into the future. So there's a, a quality of uh, having a, a, a capacity to decide what it is to do next. Sometimes that decision-making process is extremely quick or seemingly non-existent, and we just go for it. But uh, in the context of businesses, we try to minimize that kind of knee-jerk reactive uh, uh, process and actually more consciously make decisions. So we have that as you know, kind of a, a framework. Now, where does mindfulness sit into it? Well, the more one is aware of the process that they are involved in, what they're being aware of, in effect, what they're doing and how they're doing it, more likely it is that they'll be able to use their intelligence to uh, fine tune. So mindfulness allows us to step back from the decision-making process itself and see it for what it is. And at the same time, not step back so far that one is not integrally involved in it. So there's that quality of now bringing, a, uh, bringing an awareness, bringing something to the decision-making process that's going to en enable it to be more effective. Now, one thing that we find when serious decisions are being made, there's often an emotional content. People might be afraid of making the wrong decision. 
or they might be so pumped up that they can't even imagine making the wrong decision and just go for it without assessing the quality of their uh, perceived decision. So there's a lot of potential for uh, clouding the uh, analytical mind and clouding it by getting into the emotions and allowing the emotions to uh, to then take the driver's seat. And through doing that, not perform the process in the most effective way. So this is showing us how important it is to make the right decision. And what that means, um, I mean, as so often making the right decision can be subjective or only validated in retrospect. I mean, I consider how many times I've made a decision that I felt was right, but only was later even proven right. So what I wanted to know from George was what he thought about this best versus right decision. First of all, one, uh, having that goal of making, quote, the right decision is very important. I mean, if we go into a decision making without caring about the quality of the decision, then, you know, what are we doing? <laughs> so we want to be able to, uh, to have a sense of what the right decision now, to my mind, the right decision is one that is the outcome of a, an optimal process. So if I go into a process with the right steps and take the right attitude and you know, be mindfully aware of what's going on, and I come up with a decision, whether it's me as an individual or in a team, teams come up with decisions. So if I come out of that process, with what I or the consensus of the group says is a good decision, that's the right decision. Now, when that decision is acted upon, it may turn out to be a uh, not so good decision. You know, it might be that one, you know, makes a decision based on certain criteria and those criteria might be faulty or loose or things change in the uh, gap between decision and action. So there's got to be that sense of differentiating between whether this was a right decision or kind of a righteous decision in, in some ways versus was it the decision that one would have liked to have made if one knew the future. But uh, we don't know the future. There's uncertainty and that has to be known and accepted as part of the decision-making process. It's another aspect of being mindful of what's going on. George mentions uncertainty, which forms a large part of many of the professional conversations uh, that I've been having with peers and colleagues around their professional development. And I'm seeing more use of this acronym V-U-C-A. We are living in a VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. I wanted to know from George as a mindful life, mindful work leader with many years experience, how working mindfully helps while living in a VUCA world. In many ways, uh, things have sped up. There's a uh, quality which may or may not be, uh, you know, persistent through the next decades. But right now, it seems like there is VUCA to the end, where VUCA is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. 
and there's actually some newer terms that are that take it to the to that next level where there's such a degree of VUCA that it is no longer possible to sustain any kind of stability personally because there's you know things are just so out of whack that uh, that the analytical mind cannot deal with it anymore so when we have that kind of uh, situation it becomes very much uh, what i would consider a necessity to hone our mindfulness and to have that ability to step back and see what's going on from a perspective that is not threatened that is accepting of the fact that everything is changing everything is uncertain you know this is not that in and of itself is not new what's new is that people are getting that message in their face used to be you could you know take a job with company x and you would expect that in 20 years you get a gold watch and a pension you know that went away you know a couple of decades ago now people expect life to be you know reasonably stable they go out for coffee and you know meet their friends and have a job and all of that when in fact they have started to realize that somebody could lob a missile into their city if you live in Kiev so you know this was a few months ago calm nice place people went there for you know vacations so yeah, I think we need to have that quality of uh, mindfulness. And I've, I've written an article that says mindfulness is not enough. There's a need for recognizing that what mindfulness mindfulness is a tool. It's it's basically a a method for training an aspect of the mind that's already present and training it to become more prevalent than it normally might be. So we have this quality of mind called mindfulness. It's our ability to kind of observe and witness whatever is going on. And that allows us to be objective with respect to it, equanimous, you know, having the ability to just see it all as kind of a movie. And, you know, we're not going to change the movie while we're watching it. You know, not, the technology is not there yet. So uh, we have this ability to now accept what's happening now that ability to accept what's happening adds another dimension to mindfulness there are people who are quite mindful but freak out because they seeing what is happening and have no way to to absorb it or deal with it so one begins to um, cultivate acceptance or allowing the quality of simply allowing everything to be as it is now that may come naturally for a person who's practicing mindfulness meditation in a reasonably intense way. But today we have a need to give people the ability to be more mindfully aware and at the same time uh, make it clear that they're not in control, that they might have some influence depending on who they are and what, you know, what power they might have personally, but they have, they're not in control. And the ability to accept that, to accept the fact that there's going to definitely be some pain, there's definitely going to be some pleasure in life, and that accepting it all stops some of the unnecessary suffering, stops the things that get in the way of making good decisions.
Sarah also mentions a level of complexity in our conversations in today's world of work. So I've reflected on that. And interestingly, she also talks about the importance of interconnectedness and why that is so important in today's working world. Overall, a general increase in the level of complexity that we're dealing with in our lives, in in modern life, right? The the degree of pace, the expectations that are being placed upon us, um, the rate of change that we're facing, uh, that is, I think, a really common and quite universal theme, despite where you may live. And of course, that that shows up individually in different ways. And so I think from from my perspective, what I've started to see is somewhat of a, a, a meta trend um, is this this realization that as people we now can no longer kind of hold that level of expertise of knowledge that we may have been able to in previous generations, right? So in previous times when we were developing ourselves professionally, we could really comfortably say, you know what, I'm an expert and I've I've really got this covered, right? You know, I really know this. I'm 100% across this topic, and we could feel confident in that, right? And And as time has gone on, the level of complexity with which we are working at now, we need that interdependence. We need to be able to have others work closely with us to hold other parts of the puzzle that we just can't see. And I think we see this a lot in a lot of the clients I've worked with in companies, um, you know, where they're looking to improve leadership is starting to move from that kind of individualized model where you sort of have that leader who might be the hero or might be the person who kind of, you know, has all the knowledge, so to speak, into a much more interdependent system where we are relying a lot on teamwork, we're relying a lot on interconnectivity, and we're relying a lot on each other to hold pieces of of the puzzle. So I think those are the problems that I see showing up in a lot of companies uh, and those are the pieces that I think mindfulness can be uh, extremely helpful to to remedy. I reflected on Sarah and George's interviews. Both of their interviews were in a free-flowing conversation, but as I was putting this podcast together, I began to think about interconnectedness, how the different personality styles impact decisions, and the risk, the risk factor has come up uh, as well, how that imports risk. And I told George about an experience that I once had at work where we had someone who was really positive in the decision-making group and we had someone who was actually quite negative. And so how would that impact our decision-making process? My old boss used to say, an optimist builds an aeroplane and a pessimist builds a parachute. It's interesting. I, I used to uh, say that uh, there are people who are risk averse and there are people who are risk assessment averse. Being risk averse is, you know, it's, it's a natural quality. One can overcome it. But if you're averse to assessing risk, you're not a good decision maker. You need to, you need to cure that one. Yeah, it's uh, toxic positivity is a, is a uh, term that's, uh, you know, that's in the literature. And uh, it's everything can be toxic. Too much positivity and the absence of the negative is unrealistic and therefore not so clever, not effective in making decisions. And what mindfulness allows us to do is to see that for what it is. Okay. 
that brings us very close to the end of another wonderful episode where I've learned a huge amount, even in the reflection as I put these interviews together, new questions are emerging and new insights are also emerging as well. I just wanted to ask, as I always end uh, in this show, what practical tips can we take if we want to work more mindfully right now? So let's hear from Sarah Hunt as we close out the show. I want to be a rebel and not be prescriptive in my answer here. So <laughs> I could give, you know, five five tips or top five. Um, but I think the very first thing begins with if you wanted to take this practice at the very first step would be looking at it one way, just a tiny way in which you can build pause into your day. So for some people, it might be saying, you know what, that very first thing that I do when I start work is I open my laptop and I go straight into my email, right? And that's a lot of, or even I wake up and I look straight at my email, right? And so part of what we're doing here is using that process, and you said it perfectly, to slow down to then enhance the work that we do. So it might be in a practical level, building in, I start my week, for example, with an hour that's just a, like a high level overview hour, just a thinking about my week, what do I want to get out of it, you know, really reflecting and taking that time before I dive into my day to day. And so I think those, are, just taking that pause um, is such a powerful habit when built over time that it compounds and I think creates uh lots of opportunities for increased um, productivity. It also creates a lot of opportunities for that high level and quality thinking work that so many of us want to do. So that's my, hopefully that's not too much of a nondescript answer, but <laughs> that's what I would, that's what I would start with. There we have it, folks. We have sadly come to the end of another episode of the Mindful Work podcast. I hope you found it as insightful as I did. We have heard about the importance of working mindfully to getting to the best decisions that we can in our work, how we can even approach the risk that comes with the collective decision making, and also how we can implement some practical, uh, some practical ways of working to be more mindful in the way that we work. So I hope you enjoyed that. I would love to take your questions for a future episode. Please send any questions you have to calvin.niles at mindfullifemindfulwork.com. I would be happy. I'm excited to put your questions to my guests and we would give you, of course, a shout out on a future episode. Now, if you haven't left us a review yet, but you are enjoying this podcast, please do leave us a review. It goes a long way to helping us to grow. And if you think there's anybody who you think would benefit from working more mindfully, then do share our podcast link with them, mindfulworkpodcast.com or any of the other episodes from your favorite platforms. So that's it from me. I hope you have a day filled with working mindfully and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye for now. Mindful Work is the official podcast brought to you by Mindful Life Mindful Work Incorporated. To learn more about our work, visit www.mindfullifemindfulwork.com.
mindfullifemindfulwork.com.